0: You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action-packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. This is episode number 137. Just like I do every week, I'm going to say today I'm joined by. But it's no like it's not a. No one's shocked when I say this, but Mr. Jake Gaylord is on the podcast today. I'm not going to say how's it going or, or what are you doing because you'll scald me. But thank you. May, maybe just tell the people a little bit about why uh, you're a, an enemy of Sonic now, and you're taking them you're taking them to
1: the cleaners. So if you're not from Oklahoma, you don't know about Sonic, I guess. But uh, Northern Texas too. Yeah, northern Texas. But Sonic is like one of the cornerstones of Oklahoma, or used to be, at least for my little <laughs> small town. <laughs> They're dead to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh I guess either people don't like working for seven twenty five an hour now, or I don't know what's changed, but now they have like three workers. And Christian and I decided to hop on a pod and it was supposed to be like six thirty. I live like maybe two miles, maybe two miles from Sonic. And I was like, okay, little ten minute drive there. Just order a few drinks, and then head home. Well, the people in front, if you and if you're one of these people, piss off. And I mean that <laughs> disrespectfully. If you're one of those people that that go through that goes through a drive through, like at a Sonic or something, and orders a full meal for for you and your family and five cousins, just pull in a stall, dude. Pull in a stall. Because me and Abby went there, and we got two drinks and it took like 25 minutes of sitting in line. Granted, they only had three workers and I'm not going to go into that whole spiel uh, about hair color or anything, but uh, (laughs) uh, yeah, there's that. And yeah, so I wasn't in a good mood, but now, you know, we're starting an hour late, so it's fine.
0: Yeah. No biggie, no biggie. So the, the topic for today, um, so just had a recent trip to the taxidermist um, and officially got my first Pope and Young buck. So what we're going to talk about this podcast is that buck, a little bit about the background of the Pope and Young scoring system, and then we're going to talk through some Q&A because we got a lot of good questions from you guys from Instagram. Jake, you beat me to this probably by like, what was it, two two years ago that you shot the Booner now?
1: 2020? Not, not a Booner. High 150s. okay. Nickname is the Booner.
0: Not We're not calling the Buck the Booner. Okay. Um, yeah, so Jake got to knock out his per, his first like, Cy Curtis and Pope and Young all in one, which is really nice. But it took me a, uh, a few more years to get my first official Pope and Young um, and on a seven-and-a-half-year-old Buck, so I was pumped up about that. But um, I think this Buck is a great example of why some people get really flustered with the scoring system because um, of gross and and net score. You did a TikTok about this. Um, I think it was a uh, it was a while back. But can you talk a little bit about the Pope and Young, or just the scoring system in general, and gross and net, the difference between the two?
1: Yeah, but I don't want people thinking I know this, so take it with a grain of salt. Um, but from what I remember, because it it has been a minute since I've like looked into this, the way the scoring system works is nets are for fish. No, but in all honesty, gross is basically for the deer hunter, and the nets are basically for the state. So, what I mean by that is like, let's say your deer. Uh, have you ever said the gross score or
0: no? So, um, I shot the six by seven last. I almost said last summer. I,
1: I just didn't want to like like say your buck scored this when you yep. didn't like officially like um
0: so the six hit. by seven that I shot um last October, so October 1st, opening day in Oklahoma, um that deer ended up netting or sorry, grossing 142 and 78, and then ended up netting officially as a typical 125 and six or in two eighths. So about 17 inches of difference um, between those two scores. And a lot of folks that are maybe new to the podcast or don't really give a frick about scoring are going to say, what What are those two numbers and, and kind of why do they matter? So we, we do want to take just a few minutes to talk through that as we talk about this buck.
1: Yeah, so like I just said, a, a good example of that would be Christian's buck, right? Like it scored, it grossed 142. And so like the net, That's for the state, and because it netted, what did you say, 125? Yeah, exactly. So the way they they break that down is how how, how I recall. I mean, it could be right. I think it's right. So if you don't believe me, look it up. Do your own research. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but from what I've gathered, it is uh, like – so when Pope and Young was founded, they wanted – they basically founded it to – I don't know if it was Pope and Young or Boone and Crockett. I think it was Boone and Crockett that, that like everything was going w- was going extinct and stuff like that because like there wasn't any uh, regulation about hunting or anything like that. Yeah. So basically the example I was getting at is Christian's It grossed 142 and netted 125. Well, it grossed 142. And so like, that's what a lot of people like say, you know, communicate like, Oh, What'd your deer score? They're not going to be like gross 142. They're just usually going to say, Oh, it scored 142. And the yep. reason that is, is a, because it sounds better, obviously. And then B it's like gross is for the hunter, right? The net is kind of for the state because I'm pretty sure when Pope and young first started out, they were trying to figure out like how, how to, how to measure whether or not like an area is good for whitetail habitat, right? Or just, any big game animal in general. And uh so when they do that, it's just like, yeah, the buck did put on this amount, like 142 inches, but it wasn't symmetrical. And so that's how they they kind of like tell whether the area is healthy or not is how symmetrical the horns are because you could say, oh well, you know, one uh one side of this buck I shot, you know, was like a, a perfect 10 And then the other side was like had like a turkey foot you know weird thing with you know a few flyers and stuff and it's just like well that isn't probably going to be an impressive amount of inches that that the buck had or the buck grew but that thing probably get hit by a car or it probably got shot at and while it might be a healthy environment like it has plenty of food plenty of cover and all that stuff is that really a healthy environment if it gets hit by a car if it get shot at by another hunter, like how, how healthy is that? And so like, that's, that's just, I think of what I gathered is like how they measure that. And so when they see a a nice, beautiful, typical, that's kind of the, the like factor of, Hey, like this thing doesn't have a funky side. And you know, I I mean, granted it could have funky genetics where it has kickers everywhere, you know, kind of like Justin's buck this year uh, on public and stuff like that thing getting hit by a car. No, (laughs) probably not getting shot at even, but I mean, you have those crazy anomalies like that, but uh, yeah, for the most part, that's that's kind of it. And now with, I think, hunting being like like where, where it's at today, it's like almost everything seems so, I don't want to say like, it seems like there's roads everywhere, there's people everywhere, like you can't get away from people. It almost feels like you kind of need to change up the scoring system, possibly. Mm. And I, I know that sounds kind of ridiculous because it's been around for so long, but I don't know. It's kind of hard to like tell for those, for those like high point deer. What I mean by that is like your deer has what, like 13 points. Right. And so like, I think the average person's used to seeing like eight pointers. Like those are the most common, common deer around just a nice mainframe eight. And it's just hard, hard. It's hard to realize that because your deer looks really symmetrical, right? Like it's a, a seven, se- a six by seven, right? So, yep like when when you just sit there and just look at it head on it doesn't look it doesn't look 17 inches off of each side or anything like that but i guess when you just really i mean i guess you got kind of have to look at it on paper like okay this time's you know seven eighths, you know longer than this one and then this base is a whole inch wider than this one and it's just like the more points you have obviously the more the more uh deductions you're gonna have yeah 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 i guess that's what i'm trying to say and it's just weird it is it
0: is weird and one thing that i found really weird um through and by the way for the people that are listening we never really grew up interested in scoring deer or submitting deer to the book so all this kind of stuff is kind of new to me like i've got friends that have 10 Pope and young sitting in their house that there's none of them that have been sent off. There's none of them that have been entered in a record book. So we're kind of feeling out this process as we're going, especially since we're bow hunting. It's like, I'm trying to honor the animal by putting it in a record book and getting a plaque. And like, I want to put it under it. Cause like, that's what that deer grew. But, um, anyways, it's interesting to me looking at the different scoring systems too, because, um, for instance, on one thing I learned through talking with Jared, our taxidermist was, uh, for a buck on a Pope and young scale, um, to be scored as a non-typical has to have 16 inches or greater of abnormal points. And that's like a weird cutoff because my uncle Justin's deer he shot was a 16 point, right? It had 13 inches of extras and that deer wasn't con- even considered a non-typical by Pope and Young. Would that what, thing why again? is that? It grossed 165 inch some change. And as a typical, it netted 129. So it barely made the book for Pope and young, but in Cy Curtis,
1: it netted one fifty five, as a non-typical and explain that. I know you, because you had explain it to me. So I'm sure there's a few out there that yeah. haven't.
0: Yeah. So, um, basically the way that you score a non-typical buck is you take is you take his typical rack and you score it right. And you take all the abnormal points and you just add them onto the net, not or the net typical score. And that's your net non-typical score. Because they don't get deducted, right? You don't
1: have to compare them side to side. But that's weird. It works on Cy Curtis and then it works and then it doesn't work for Pope and Young. But I think Cy Curtis is like a, a, only an Oklahoma. Oklahoma-based thing, Oklahoma, correct? Yeah, yeah, it
0: definitely is. It definitely is. Um, but it's interesting because Pope and Young, you know, it's such a broadly used uh, term and club, you know, it's all, all across the US that a deer would have to grow 16 inches of non typical point for it to be considered a non typical. And it's just like, you look at Justin Spuck with triple flyers on each side and you're like, that's a non-typical, you know, what does it need to be one? And so, I don't know. I just thought that was really interesting. Scoring, the scoring system for deer is interesting. And I think one of the messages that I would want to get off to people is because it seems like we live in a world that is very, very focused around scoring right now with deer. And folks a lot of folks might you know get their deer officially score and it might gross one thirty two and it ends up netting one twenty and it's not in the book.
1: I'm telling you one thing. If if you're really into scoring you probably want to unsubscribe and stuff because next year some 120s are going to die. That's <laughs> true. That's I true. I can promise you that because I'm about tired of not of like worrying about that crap. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um and that's that kind of falls in with the message, right? Is like it doesn't take anything away from the deer if it doesn't net high, right? Like another good example of this is Jordan Schauffler shot a buck and it scored like, I think low one fifties. It was like a 15 point or something. It had a bunch of extra points and it netted like one sixteen. Does that really? Mean that, that? Yeah. Does that mean that that deer is not a one fifties deer? No, that's not what that means at all.
1: It means it didn't net for that typical, for that scoring system. We right. were talking about that earlier. Uh, not 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 Jordan's deer, but uh, I texted you because Justin's deer outscored mine, and yeah. we hunt the same area. And I was like, you know, this means I'm still the big dog since since his only netted, you know, like one twenty five. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, he was like, no, that's like saying that's what you said. You said no if uh, if I shoot a one ninety and it and it scores like one forty net. He said. No, absolutely not. I'm still the big, yeah, that's
0: what I said. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Scoring's cool. Like, I did want to preamble about that a little bit on this podcast. Scoring is super cool. I'm happy to have my first official Pope and Young. And I think I actually have one on the wall that's going to be a Pope and Young too, Um that I never had scored from 2019.
1: So, but... The thing on that is, if you don't know, like, if you think it's going to be close. Our our thing is like we don't want to waste like our taxidermist time on like scoring something that that could really wouldn't not. yeah like like really wouldn't make a difference you know like could it net one twenty five maybe but if it's going to be like a a chin hair to get it in then it's just like it's probably not worth this time.
0: Well, if I would have known that about my six by seven would have been one twenty five and two eights, I might have been like, it's fine. It's fine I just right I remember texting <laughs> him though. I was like, man, this. I was like, this deer will surely make the book. And then he messaged me back. He's like, he made it by two eights. I was like, what?
1: Yeah, that is that is one thing that like is pretty cool. Whenever like we have him score some, is your scoring is really not off from like the rough tailgate score that we do like right after. You know, we basically before we even got the deer. You know, yeah. we usually throw it on tailgate and and you usually rough score it and. Your your record's been pretty good.
0: Yeah, we um so we scored your deer. I know we added up the main beams wrong when we scored your deer. I don't know how, but we were like four or five inches off on that. Um Justin's buck, we we rough scored it at 169. It was one sixty five and change, so it was three and a half or four inches off on that. And then my buck, um uh, the six by seven, we rough scored it at one forty four and something, and it was one forty two. Seven eighths. so we were less than two inches off on that deer and so it's like you know with a a flimsy tape measure and another guy trying to hold the antlers he- the deer's head up you know in the tailgate that's that's not bad i'll take that's what i always say when we score them on the tailgate it's like plus or minus five it could be five yeah, inches smaller literally. it could be five inches bigger you know you just got to give it that range but when you think about it when you're talking about hundreds of inches plus or minus five is not bad i'll not take that <laughs> I'll, I'll take that every time yeah yeah. So scoring's cool, but it's not something uh I think we have focused on it a little bit. I focus on wanting to kill deer of a certain caliber of yeah. the last few years and
1: I think I'm going to do away with that on on public land for sure. Public for sure, private, I mean I know we've already talked about this off pod, but like yeah, private kind of st- still trying to hold true, but public man, fair game baby. If you have if you have two tags, What's that Chris, Chris Stapleton song? Something about firing away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you only have one tag and if it's like early, I don't know, not even if it's early in the, in the uh, Oklahoma trip, but I don't know. It's always, it's always a fly by, by the seat of your pants. Basically, if it gets you excited, send it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, scoring's cool. Don't beat yourself up, but don't beat yourself up about it. And I, I will always say this. If a 130-inch eight-pointer walks by me, I'm not going to be like, well, let me look at that right G2. Let me look at that left G2. I really wish oh, he oh, was three inches is- bigger. Mm.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Exactly. No, that's something. That, it, it's mean, fun. The majority of the time, though, like, think about the bucks we passed, and I guarantee you if we would have said, like, put it into perspective, like that perspective saying, what if that deer was five inches bigger? Would we have shot it? Probably. So are you saying like five inches on something that like give or take five inches when it's in the back of the bed scoring? You're like, oh, could be this, could be this. Either way, I'm happy. So right. why not do that from the tree? You know what I mean?
0: Yes. That's what I'm saying with the, the hunter satisfaction. People are like, oh, I want to shoot a 130 this year. You know, they go shoot one. It's 127. Like, man, I'm disappointed. I'm like, why?
1: It's three why are you disappointed? Like, I mean, hey, from a guy's standpoint, three inches is a lot. That's all I want to say. Is this but, a lot? <laughs> hey it's a lot yeah. anyways
0: yeah but you get the point i mean shoot deer shoot what makes you happy Scoring's cool um but i don't think it's something worth fixating your whole season on
1: i guarantee way. you half those booners that you see on youtube are probably like high 150s deer
0: so I don't know if you did steal that from Dallas Barber I did, or not. I did. Um, I was hoping
1: that, that, that would bring you into that.
0: Yeah. So Dallas Barber's the ODWC, um, big game biologist. And I, Jake had did a video about how rare and Crockett deer are. And he posted a Dallas commented on it. He was like actual net booners. He was like, I've scored thousands of deer and I've scored like five net booners. And he was like, and all those, uh, all those TV shows that shoot a booner every year means they shoot a one fifties. And I was like, Man, that's true. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, why does it matter? Think, why you got to say a 150 is a Booner? Nobody cares. Yeah,
1: you would think that like by the, I mean, maybe the turnaround on the production, it, like, isn't that slow, but you would think they could officially have it like at least green scored before they release the video. I mean, I know Booner in the title probably gets a lot more views, it but it probably does.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Um, I think we beat the horse dead enough on the scoring ready to get into some I reckon we got a lot of folks uh that were sending in questions from instagram so i really appreciate that the hunter's advantage podcast is powered by out on a limb manufacturing out on a limb is a family-owned company based right here in oklahoma that makes tree stands saddle platforms climbing sticks and
1: so much more christian i have a quick question what's that what might sound harder a hippo or an alligator No idea. It's a trick question. The Ridge Runner 2.0 bites harder than both of them, but all jokes aside, we use these products all across the land on public or private. These help us get into any tree we want and hunt where the deer actually are.
0: Most men go to the grocery store for their meat, but these products help you go to God's grocery store. I have used the Out on a Limb Ridge Runner 2.0 and the Shakar Sticks for the last few years hunting public land bucks, and I've actually shot several bucks out of this setup. If you wanna support the podcast and get some Out on a Limb equipment, make sure to go to Out on a mfg.com and use code HNTA10 for 10% off at checkout. Once again, if you want to support the podcast, go to outonalimmfg.com and use code H-N-T-A-10 at checkout for 10% off. Now, let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, I'll start with the num- with the first one. This um, we just do the Instagram? Is, yeah, we'll just do the Instagram for this podcast, and then we'll move over to some of the TikTok, some of the Facebook, and some of the email questions um, for the next podcast that we'll do. So this one, first question from Instagram comes from Brett underscore Swafford. Hope I said that right. Um, he said, how do you pick where to put your feeders and do you always hang a stand close by? What do you got, Jake?
1: Um, let me look. I'm more of a visual guy.
0: Someone audibly reads it to you and you're like,
1: Ugh. yeah, literally. Uh, so where to position the feeders? I would say, Um, from my experience, I have two feeders, one's out in the field. And then another one is like maybe 50, 60 yards into a little thicket of timber. And from my experience, I have seen that there's more consistent daylight movement from bucks inside the timber on that camera, on that feeder, rather than out in the middle of a field. And this could be different with other areas like, like the difference between my my hunting private hunting spot and your private hunting spot, Christian, is probably neighbors, right? So the deer around my, uh, my private is probably a lot more skittish than sure. it would be on yours. And so it kind of makes sense that, hey, they're probably, especially the bucks, probably are more timid to use the field, at least in the daytime, rather than inside the timber. And I've seen that firsthand, I mean, don't get me wrong. I get a lot of, a lot of, uh, nocturnal buck picks out in the field, but that's nocturnal. And unless you're have a really good spotlight, I mean, or you're a wildlife photographer, it doesn't help you any.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, I was thinking about this, the, um, one, it's going to have to be someplace. If you plan on hunting, he, it was a two part question. So he asked like, where do you put the feeders? And then where, do you always hang a stand close by? Um, I'm not putting a feeder out just for craps and giggles myself. You know, um, some some people might say, "Man, I just want the deer to be super healthy and I want a supplemental feed." Um, not me. When I put out a feeder, I want to kill the deer. So right. that's the that's my only reason
1: for putting it out. But that's the way some people are like some people will put put a feeder out and then hang their their stand like 80 yards away and like try try to get them coming into the feeder. You definitely could do that. And what I would say on my feeders
0: is. One, I try to think about the access, like when you introduce feeders in a hunting, it creates some access issues. One, when you're showing up to get into the stands in the mornings, there's usually deer on the feeders, right? Especially in early season when, um, when it's hotter and those deer are trying to feed when it's still cool at night. And two, in the evenings, when you're sitting on those feeders, it's very hard to get out of the stand sometimes without scaring the deer off. So The short answer is yes. I usually hang a stand nearby my feeders because my goal is to kill the deer, not watch them. Um, But as far as picking where to put them, I try to put them as close to bedding areas as I can because I want to. I don't want to ask too much of the deer, right? Like, let's say our our feeders five hundred yards away from the bedding area. Well, on a, you know, 80% of the days of the year, uh, it's probably not going to be super cold where they're going to want to travel that far in the daylight to feed. So I try to put it as close to the bedding as I possibly can without intruding on it and where I can still get good access on the right wind directions. And I second that. Yeah. Cause you want it to be close enough where you're not asking the deer to do too much. Um, but also far away enough where you're not intruding on, uh, and that's going to be different for every property right
1: like but regardless they're probably going to try to eat the corn like corns corn's the magical fruit like you know it has the juice so yeah. they're going to be hitting it but that's just the difference in whether they hit it 30 minutes after shooting light or 30 minutes before
0: yeah that's kind of that's kind of the meta point there i think um as close as you can get to the bedding without intruding on it and yes i am always hanging a stand nearby but you know, Brett might have a completely different property, right? He might have a huge winter wheat field these hunting and he wants to put his feeder 200 yards past him and catch the deer as they're running by him, you know, right. and presenting a shot opportunity like that. So it's going to be different for everybody, but on our properties where we don't have big ag, we don't have a lot of food. I hunt over the feeders. That's just my personal preference.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right. The next one's by Jake Ordner what tips? You got, yeah, yeah. What tips you guys could give on shed hunting? What do you got? Shed hunting, <laughs> dude.
0: So walk a what, lot. <laughs> what's funny is, um, there's like two things that people consistently ask that I'm just like, dude, we have nothing for you. The two things are one, like whitetail habitat management, <laughs> and yep. two, shed hunting. One, we don't have properties that we can. Um, Change a lot because we don't own any property, and second, secondly, we like to go scout for deer postseason mm. and hopefully step on a shed that goes through the rubber boot, and that's kind of how we find them. I don't really have a super trained eye for shed sheds, and um, ne- usually don't have the time to get away to shed hunt as much as I would like. So, but what I can say with my limited experience shed hunting is, I'm going exactly where the deer are spending most of their time. So. This is my one time of year where I'm like, okay, I'm going to walk out this bedding area, hopefully not mess it up too much. Travel corridors um, in between uh, bedding and food. That's a great place. But what I notice every year with sheds is like people find them in the weirdest places. Like I saw Cole Owen today. He had a shed in between like a forked tree, like a deer had dropped it in between a tree. And I was mm-hmm. like, how can you give a tip about, well, make sure you're looking between trees. No. I, I'm 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 very much with the uh, the miles for piles guys. That's that's how you found sheds in my mind.
1: Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I don't want to beat a dead horse. I mean, you've already you've already covered. What it. You mean you're not a shed guru? No, no. Plus, I think there's a couple more questions about sheds too. So, okay, also, well, I'll save what I have for those. Okay, sounds good.
0: Um, biggest misconceptions about public land and private land hunting. This comes from. T Pritch thirty. That's very broad. That can mean a lot of things,
1: but yeah. So, well before the season, I would say there was more hunting pressure on private than there was on public. But in Kansas this year in November, that proved to be wrong. Uh, Kansas early late season was like super good. Like there was that it was basically like having a whole weehaw and stuff to yourself like hundreds of hundreds of acres basically to yourself over soybeans and all that crap but when november hit that it was a war zone literally world world, world war three so i w- my go-to previous years would have said you know there's there's not that much pressure but then again it's i guess kind of when you go and where you go so other than that i i don't i don't i can't really think of any on top of my head
0: Biggest misconceptions um, is that it's one, it's super easy to kill a big buck on private. And then two, it's super hard to kill a good buck on public. Like you said, I think it's just the time of year and your unique situation. I have hunted private pieces that are 10 times harder to kill a good buck on than than decent public in Kansas. And uh, vice versa. It, sometimes I've had, it's been fairly easy to shoot you know, just like we talked about 125 incher on public land in Kansas. I've seen, dude, I've seen better deer on public land in Kansas than I had in 89, 80, 90% of my hunting growing up. I'm (laughs) completely honest. So it is so spot dependent. People think, Oh, you got private land. You got to kill a good one every year. Maybe not. Like you said, sometimes you got more competition on private than you do public. You ever arm wrestled your brother for your deer, deer blind? It that's how it goes for me so i've uh there's some misconceptions
1: yeah yeah um all right, we'll all right i got the right. next one
0: um connor Schwab, whitetail mission brother says wait uh, no this
1: is me oh go ahead yeah you're right go ahead anyways connor schwab uh, <laughs> from whitetail missions what's the dream out of state trip if you only had one week the state and then the date. Oh man, dude, this one's too hard. Mm. I I thought about uh, this one.
0: I think if I had, um, for whitetail, we're talking specifically right for whitetail. Um, I think anybody would, any sober minded individual would say Iowa for a week. Right. Right. And, and if, if I had to go, let's just say I had private land, I would say November, uh, November 3 through 10, that would be that would be my days that I would pick just because big bucks are on their feet. And I think in that early to pre-rut or start stage, that's my favorite time to try to kill a big buck.
1: Okay, so I, I guess I'll go whitetail now since... Uh, oh, were I you going to go something else? I was going to go something else, yeah. Okay, so my dream state would be Alaska. Mm. And then on the species, I literally was like, I don't care. Like, it could be a moose, it could be it could be for trout fishing or whatever. I wouldn't care, but I just want to go to Alaska and like date anytime, drop me off unless Mm. it's during the winter. Then I'd feel like I'd really be hurting, but I don't know. But for whitetail, I would say like one of the Midwest states for sure. Like whether that be uh, Iowa, like like you were talking about, or I didn't really think about, about states like that, but I would go early. I wouldn't go during the rut just because Kansas ruined it.
0: Yeah, but let's just say
1: hypothetically, like you had a great private farm and you just had to you had to pick like your best I mean, nope, then, yeah, no pressure. I, I would I would pick, pick like some sometime during November, but if it's probably not going to be on private, so that's right. That's true. I would go early. I would go early rather than late. And the only reason is I think you'd have less opportunity, like equal opportunity of not running into people whether it be early season or late season, but late season it's probably pretty cold. Then early season you could probably see just as many deer, but it would also be t-shirt weather. So can't beat that. All right,
0: we got a question from Marshfield Outdoors. He said, "Podcast episode swap? Question mark? Question mark? I think, I think Marshfield either has been doing a podcast or he just started a podcast." He said, "Swap." We haven't. Have we done any podcast episode swaps in the past?
1: Well, we take Venmo and uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Zell. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't think we swapped. There was, there, there was one other guy that was wanting to, I think do a uh, collab, I think is what he called it. And, yeah. Uh, th- but no, I don't think we've, we've done one like that at least.
0: So we're trying to do our our podcast this this year in series and keep it super specific to um kind of a flow and uh just topically. So Marshfield send us um maybe a potential topic that you'd want to discuss and maybe we can uh maybe we can see how that would fall into our series. And always um we're always happy to get on other people's podcasts and talk. I Remember when I started this podcast, my second guest was Jordan Harbertson of mountain ops. And I was like, dude, what? why are you on my podcast right now? There was no reason he should have got on my podcast. I'm not saying that is this situation at all. No, we're not, not. We're not that here. <laughs> yeah, but I'm very happy to get on anybody's podcast. And, um, if we can find something that topically lines up between us, yeah,
1: we'd be happy to do it. Why would they want to talk to us? like, dude why they if, want to talk
0: to me if I've they've yeah. listened
1: if they've listened for at least like three podcasts you'd be like these guys don't know a damn thing <laughs> i don't know we just like talking about it so it's fine that's right that's right What we got next uh hudson outdoors how do you know when to leave or stay when it comes to pressure on public land i think this hudson is that not the same guy that that killed that tank in missouri Uh, it might be, I think it is.
0: Oh yeah. I think think that might be,
1: but I ain't going to touch my phone right now.
0: Yeah. Um, man, how to know when to leave or how to know when to stay when it comes to pressure on public land. Um, I'll say every man has his breaking point. What were you going to say? Yeah. Let me hold on. Go ahead. No, I was going to say every man has a breaking point. Um, my, uh, my gauge for deciding when to leave or when to stay is typically when the number of people that I have walked up on or slash been walked up on exceeds the number of deer. So if in a two day period of time, I've been walked up on five or six or seven times and I've seen one deer that usually shows me, especially if I'm hunting a fantastic time of the year, like November, um, that I am being blunted by the pressure of the people and Mm -hmm. it's time to go Try something else. That's usually my measuring stick.
1: So there's, that's a good point. There's two types of pressure though. There's the pressure that you think people has been hunting this spot. And so you don't know. And then there's like, Hey, I see a headlight walking to my tree. And like there's a headlight flashing at me from like 75 yards away. Yep. And how you can tell if people's not flashing your headlight, but, but you, uh, you're like, kind of like, I think someone's been hunting this. That happened to me last year on Oklahoma public. I found out people was hunting this area from the toilet paper trails that was down this pretty, like, like it was a brush hog little path. And there was just like white toilet paper trails. Like obviously the, like I didn't get too close to You're it. sure it wasn't Carol. It might've been Carol. <laughs> I asked him, I did ask him. I was like, Hey, you've been back there. And he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I seen toilet paper. And he was like, did you see poop on it? Then I was like, no, then it wasn't me. <laughs> he was like, you would know. And I was like, okay, you know, it was me. That's funny. So that,
0: that's how you gauge it, is if, uh, there's toilet paper.
1: I mean that, that type of human sign, like, Oh, is there, is there flagging tape? But in Kansas, I seen flagging tape all over the place, dude. Like it was everywhere. And I was like, that could be 15 years old or it could be five days old. I don't know. So yeah, just, just that type. I, I, I guess, like, go with your gut. Like, if you're like, man, I think there's people hunting this. I'm not seeing all that much, like, action and stuff, and just go with your gut. Here's one thing to consider,
0: though. Like, it kind of it is kind of super dependent on what your backup plan is. So if you've kind of put all your eggs in this one basket and somebody has walked in in camo clothing and, you know, t- topped your flipped your Easter basket on top of you and all the eggs have fallen out. If you don't have a good backup option, you might be very tempted to stay in a spot that you know is not going to work. Like, let's just be Mm -hmm. honest. A big mature buck, apart from being an idiot in the rut, is going to respond to human intrusion in a negative way and quit frequenting areas where there's lots of people. So if there is lots of people, yes, there are ways to kind of get around that or maybe hunt places other people aren't. But to some extent, some there's going to be people. if there's If there's people in a spot and they're running it, they're running it. And I would rather go to a spot that I've never been to before and roll the dice on a place that I know for sure is probably not going to produce something because of the intrusion.
1: Dude, I agree, but you told me about how on Rattlesnake – there was like all those people. I mean, we try to sit there in twenty twenty one and there was people and then I tried to sit there last year and or yeah, just this last season and I got walked up on by that older guy. Yeah. And then seven days later, Justin sits in that same general area and sees what he said was a one fifty. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like what's happening, you know? There's never a perfect scenario, right? Like
0: and and like we just talked about, like, let's say there is four guys coming on you, every side, you
1: still might kill a big one. Yeah, you might. But that property is kind of, kind of different. We're not going to get like too too much into why, why it's different, but to a certain like, like it hunts different. I guess that's, that's what we can say. So like your area, I mean, I, I guess Missouri would kind of be relatively like possibly the same.
0: I'd say it's more like Northeast Oklahoma or Kansas
1: most of missouri you think
0: probably yeah ozarks are a bit or a big ag
1: yeah one of the okay. tr- one of the well, two so maybe not i
0: don't know like you said though i think going with your guts are probably a
1: because it could happen like like you just don't know especially on public like you don't know who's walking around where and like like i i think that's why why sometimes i get flustered in the in the tree sometimes because like it doesn't make sense And, like, I don't know if it's supposed to make sense in a way because, like, you could be doing everything right and then someone else come walking through and screw everything up. Or you could be doing doing everything wrong and then someone happens to get out of their stand early or something like that and bumps a giant your way and it just comes strolling past. And you're like, I'm a freaking genius. I know everything when in reality that deer just got pushed to you. It's, a, it's like the, it, it's crazy
0: it's the fun fun it's the highs and lows it's the thrill and the agony of public land you do not know you're introducing a complete a, a variable that's completely uncontrollable like like you said maybe you know, sitting in your tree and here comes a 200 incher because billy bob joe was chasing him with a recurve you know <laughs> on the ground you, you just don't know yeah. you just don't know that's kind of what makes it so special when you kill a good one on public you're like i just defeat i i've defied the odds you did something yeah it's very special so you'll know you'll know though sometimes you get fed up and you're like i'd rather go sit somewhere and not see people and see zero deer there's nothing worse than seeing zero deer and people (laughs) uh kansas what yeah Uh, all right
1: do you have it yeah
0: um uh, he asked another question
1: hudson outdoors asked another question he said what states are you guys hunting next year so definitely Oklahoma. That's a given. We have lifetimes here. What? So yeah. Crazy. I know. I would really like to hunt Kansas because there's a little bit of vengeance and I feel like we could really get it done.
0: Vengeance is mine, says the Lord.
1: Yes. Yes. And uh and I I know everybody thinks this every year, but you know, Kansas opens up early, as we all know. And if we can draw out again, I think we can get it done early. And therefore we can either a spend more time on Oklahoma public or B branch out and maybe towards Missouri because I heard we got a, a little offer up on that. Yeah. Might have a little collaboration
0: opportunity. Oh, sorry, my microphone. Um I'm wondering how the odds will be in Kansas. Uh, we drew out for a fairly popular unit last year, so it was like, okay, I'm not super surprised, but this year, um, if we do something similar, I don't know if we'll draw it or not. It'll be very dependent on if we draw it in Kansas. Uh, but if we don't draw it in Kansas, like I'm all for learning something close. So Missouri or heck, even a Nebraska trip would get me kinda hyped
1: Nebraska, up. Nebraska, you've been you've been on that train ever since you went from Yule. I I like Nebraska. Um
0: I just like the idea of a three hundred pound white tail with a big rack. That's kind of exciting. Okay. So maybe, maybe one of those three. Oklahoma definitely a given, but maybe Nebraska, maybe Kansas,
1: maybe Missouri. We'll just see. Uh, I I think Missouri would be a good one because I mean y'all can tell us if we're wrong, but I think it's like two twenty five or two fifty for two buck tags.
0: It's very friendly for over the counter.
1: Yeah. So for us broke folk, it is very nice. I don't know. That's it, It's looking pretty tempting. Plus, I mean, if you shameless plug, I guess here, like, uh, the Hudson outdoors who asked this question, if y'all haven't seen his video of him shooting a absolute toad on Missouri public lands, go check it out because Is I forget exactly drop or just a regular drop. I know it has a drop. I don't know if it's a double or not. I don't, I don't have the picture pulled up here, but, uh, definitely look at it. Like it's a, it's a really cool, sweet, hunt. sweet video.
0: Yeah. Um, you're, I think you're
1: up. Uh, this is from Jess HW 11. How did you all get started and how do you all know each other? Hmm. It's a good one. Did he mean, how, how did you get started hunting or how'd you get started filming or in stuff?
0: Probably how did how did H, how did probably how HA got started? I assume that's, that's what he's talking about. Um, okay. so I'll start with the reverse how did we how do we know each other when did we meet like what fourth grade
1: something? it was on the
0: bus in like
1: third or fourth grade
0: okay yeah I, I i just am so bad with ages now i'm like yeah third grade i was what like 14 like no nah, bro, I'm you saying, were eight.
1: i was were, like you eight? were a freshman <laughs> 14 son
0: <laughs> yeah so gosh how old is that eight years old they can do the half. math it's fine yeah y'all look it up you have google a um Yeah, so we met what? Yeah, seven or eight years old on the bus. I rode the bus. Jake rode the bus. That at that time, um, I sat in the front of the bus because a young man doesn't want to get bullied. And then Jake had rode the bus. You'd already rode the bus for like years. And so Jake, I grew up on that bus. (laughs) Jake was like, "Come sit in the back of the bus." I'm like, "Dude." only bad things come happen. to the dark that side. <laughs> <laughs> that's when people are like shooting people in the back of the legs with pin guns and like oh, yeah. steel tipped. Uh, what are those called? Um, are they called hornets when you get a rubber band? Dude,
1: yes. So if y'all don't know what a hornet is, it's where you like, this is back of the shenanigans. Today's kids would not know about this uh, because they're too busy on their phones, but that's where you get a piece of paper and you roll it up like hot dog. So style. thick really really thick and then it's basically a handle you get a rubber band and you and you like pinch it around the rubber band and pull back and fling it almost like a <laughs> slingshot and you want to talk about it like a whelp dude to get so you bad. going yeah anyways i think yeah that's where we met but we weren't always into hunting i don't think we were into hunting at all at that point probably fishing it was fishing
0: probably fishing at that point yeah yeah um we made pin guns on the bus too um basically you take the tube out of a <laughs> out of a a pin you take the ink cartridge you tie a rubber band around it and then you use the rubber band to shoot the ink cartridge
1: i swear um, <laughs> Dude, i remember this still
0: <laughs> did you have a particular story
1: uh i mean no continue or, or is that all you were gonna say no, I was going to say that there was, like, several instances where I saw ink cartridges, like,
0: going at the bus drivers with the back of his head. And they would, like, <laughs> hit by the me. mirror. They would, like, not me either. But they they would hit the mirror, and he'd be like, hey, I'm going to stop the bus. <laughs> like, they, dude, you could fire him from the back of the bus. I'm talking,
1: hit <laughs> the front. I remember this one time. uh, Because I was I was never the best at making them. Because what, what you had to do is, <laughs> is, is you had to, like, get a rubber band, break it, and then, like, like tie each end around like the the, the outer casing of uh, of the pin right and so i was never good with knots like i'd always just try to do the regular like tie your shoe knot but then like thread the laces through where it'll tie a knot so i can never get the rubber band to stick and so when i actually did tie a good knot somehow some way uh i was like tied it too far up the pin or too down which would like long story short whichever one you did if you tied it too far back that little ink cartridge wouldn't have enough velocity to like really do any damage after it left the 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 barrel basically so uh god i sound like a little a, a little heathen right now sorry right. but i made one really good one time like tied it perfectly and i remember i was sitting uh, <laughs> i was sitting next to you you were inside the window and 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 I was like, look 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 at this one I made. And, uh, and <laughs> Pulling out like a weapons dealer. Yeah. Check this you up. said you said, uh, does it shoot hard? And I said, <laughs> I said, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you said it. You said, here, shoot my leg. I swear to God, you said, here, shoot my leg, and like like kind of stuck up your calf a little bit, and I went <laughs> from like three inches away. <laughs> I forgot about this. I shot it into your calf, and the, <laughs> ink, the cartridge stuck in like, like maybe quarter of an inch, but it was enough to like stick into it. Oh, it was and, sticking in there. Yeah, and you're like, ah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I it hurts. I remember looking at it. I'm you like, remember? I can't see the tip anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember what I'm talking about?
0: Oh, I don't, I don't know, know why I let you. Car.
1: I don't know why I let you shoot me with that. Hey, we weren't the smartest.
0: That did not. That was one story, and I know. I also know. Shortly thereafter, everyone started doing the Hornets on the bus. That rubber bands got banned from school. You can no longer have them around your wrist because kids were going up from like long range, Scah! hitting people yeah. in the legs. It was just a different time. Like you weren't on. We TikTok had like at searches school.
1: in English one time, like if, for rubber bands. Everyone yeah, show me your rubber wrists. bands. There was that, and, and then like like this one teacher made us empty out our pockets because like. She thought we had rubber bands, and I was like, listen, I have like three erasers and a uh, watered up piece of paper that I was gonna make gun to a hornet on the bus. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was that was good times. So
0: that's the context. That's how uh that's what how me and Jake uh met. And then um, from an HA perspective, we had tried something similar a couple times. Um, so that maybe this is encouraging for some folks. Uh, we tried, so just like everybody else, um, that produces any, any kind of content for the internet. We were like, dude, we should make hunting videos and get sponsors. And one day we'll get paid to hunt for a living. That's kind of what I thought. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It'll be all over. Um, So we tried to make a few of those pages, you know, like everybody starts an Instagram and then you have somebody, you know, that like can like make a t-shirt. So um, I've been a part of, we did what was first we did through the people, the peep outdoors yeah so that whole idea of that premise was the premise of that idea was like these are all trademarked by the way so yeah don't try these these names piss off we still own these um (laughs) yeah through the peep outdoors and the idea of that was like just showing bow hunting like you live in bow hunting you live life like through the peep you know that's like your portal to to killing animals so i thought that was a cool play on words it never really very
1: sillifascical
0: yes um (laughs) and then we rebranded uh from through the peep we tried another one called 918 media and 918 media there was a company out uh or a media company on youtube called hedge post media and i just like thought media was such a cool word i'm like oh dude nobody's using that like, everyone's like outdoors right everyone's always
1: been outdoors i just added this my, my vocabulary last week let's use it
0: <laughs> yeah and then so we were in the 918 right in oklahoma so we're like 918 media and then Weirdly enough, our uh, logo was like an elk. <laughs> like none of us had ever elk on them. We're like, dude, it looks so cool. <laughs> People don't know, bro. <laughs> yeah. So that was one of them. Um, what else did we try? Was, was were those the only two? I want to say there was one more. I think there was. So we we started filming in 2017, right? And we put out a few videos. Like Curly was our first video we got on film. Um, our first bow hunt that we got on film, I think, it was with a the big camera. Yeah, with a big camera. We got to go oh, with it. Yeah. with a GoPro before. Um, But through the PA outdoors, 918 Media. Um, And then it had been a couple years. And then in college, like graduating college, I started a, the podcast. I started Hunter's Advantage podcast. And then we started filming hunts. And then we started doing the podcast together. And then we started doing TikTok. And it's kind of just grown we've always done some sort of content so like yes a, tried to hot minute yes we've always tried to film um so we've always been doing some sort of hunting content uh like that oh dead duck outdoors was another one that me carol and jared did mm-hmm. so we've tried this four or five times um ha was just kind of the one that stuck you know don't you think was there any other anything else you i'm want trying to, to think to no
1: i mean i don't think so uh who asked this? Was it was it Justin? No. Okay, I don't I don't know his profile or anything, but um, we uh, message quite
0: a bit on on Instagram. He's a pretty cool dude. I think he lives in Bartlesville.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, like, but if he's like asking on like getting started filming and stuff, like the first camera I ever owned was a GoPro, and mm-hmm. I shot my first Bobuck filming it with the GoPro. But when I first started filming, it was like the only reason i want to bring this up because it's a pretty cool story uh and it's nothing even deer hunting related the very first time i decided to like like take my gopro out to like film and i even like i don't know where the video it is probably like on some cd rom or something at my mom's right now cassette (laughs) yeah uh i had my gopro and i was because like like i said like back then we were pretty like head over heels for fishing and my neighbor had a Creek running through his property that we would walk up and down it all the time. Well, it was like during the spring. I remember this because like the grass was like, so damn green. And, uh, I went out there using my GoPro. I was like, this first time I ever, I'm ever going to like film me like, like, uh, fishing. And when I say I probably had the best day of like, like it would have legit been like a really good YouTube video, like to this day, like about fishing because like I was wearing it and, uh, Like I had it on my head and I went down to the honey hole. You know where the honey hole is at, right? Yep. Like that little, that little bitty piece. And I basically started all the way back to where like, no, no, I think I just started at the honey hole and then I was going to work my way left kind of towards the gar spot. If you still remember that too. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, I just went around the bend and at the time like we had like four dogs we had like a like i'm like they were basically all mutts because people just them down the dirt road and we're not mean people and so we'll try to like take them and like either give them away or not but a lot of mutts people don't like especially if they're like older but we'll but my mom for <laughs> sure like keeps them around uh they would follow me out to the creek and like a lot of times it's bad because like if it gets too hot they'll like jump in the creek and mess everything up but this time like they really didn't and like they're actually pretty good at like not jumping in the water like they like they usually like stay close but they go off do their own thing i don't know what they're doing but i was fishing at the honey hole one time and i heard daisy which is like a half pit half lab type thing super sweet dog she's she's a doll she's probably nine years old now and she was real i mean she wasn't a pup but she was you know up there and uh I heard her off like 50 yards away, just start like barking, just like tearing into something barking. And I was like, what the heck? And all of a sudden I heard like sound like something was dying. Like it sounded like, like, "Ah!" like like a a dying dog, basically now. And I started running over there. I was like, she either like got attacked by a beaver, bit by a snake, like, I don't know, coyote, something. So I dropped everything, started running over there. Everything's on GoPro. I go over there and she's like in the water on this, like half submerged, like half, Laying up on the creek bank log, just absolutely shredding this raccoon. Oh, I baby, said, yeah. And and it's all like it's actually really good footage. And so, so like I wanted to see the aftermath because by the time I got there, the, the uh raccoon was all dead, like and tore up. But I was like, I thought that was the coolest thing, me being that young. I was like, This is amazing! Like, I'm like, I have this on footage, and like this happens today, like this has never happened. Super cool. So I went over there, like waded through the water picked up the coon and i was like you know good girl like that's that's awesome and went back and i had i had a really good day of fishing like like caught i probably caught like 15 out of there and which is w- which is pretty good for that for like that creek i think and uh yeah, On I, film. Just, uh, yeah I just thought that was really cool
0: <clears throat> yeah that is really cool um we got one more question
1: oh, i think sorry. we feel
0: i i uh I think you um, asked me the last one. I get this last one. Um, the last question comes from... Gosh, this guy's got a good name. Yee-yee underscore boy or B-O-I-I-I-I-I. It's
1: boy. it right the first time?
0: Yeah. He says, uh, best place to find sheds. So, I got asked a shed question. It's only fair torture that Jake gets asked a shed question.
1: Where do you find your sheds, Jake? Typically on the ground, but I mean... It's like where you catch the fish <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh man i haven't found many sheds but uh most of the like 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 the deer sheds i found have been like on like secondary runoffs to like creek systems kind of or not even creek systems just like those little they're not like when i say ravine they're not like super deep ravines just like little basically ditches that mm-hmm. are <clears throat> are in there and and i found them like Around the ditch or even in the ditch. That's where I found most of mine at. Actually? Yeah, like like in Oklahoma. Like those, those little bitty ditches and stuff. Like I call them ravines, but I mean, it looks like a little secondary runoff of like a dried up creek bed, but it's not because there's not a creek anywhere around there, but they're like those. That's where I normally find all mine. Like rattlesnake, you know how like it kind of dips down. Like there's no water running through theirs, but it's like that little bitty ditch ravine type thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I probably found seven in 2021 doing that. Like, they were either broken or small, but there you go. Hey, seven's like that's probably more than I found like the
0: last like three years. So, I've, I've, Jake's never, the shed guy. No, I'm not. Jake's Don't the shed that. guy
1: from now on. <laughs> of our group, yeah. of a group of terrible shed hunters, you're probably the best one. I did yeah. find an elk shed. That's true. I did find an elk shed and I was like, what is this? I thought it was a big old stick at first, but I was like, that's too white. Mm. There's an elk shed. Well, um, that
0: wraps up all of our QA for Instagram. Um yeah, that's uh I think that was a good good QA session. Brought up some good old times about getting shot by a pen gun, talked about some deer hunting stuff. Um uh, that was a pretty good episode. Uh we got a few things going on. Um new U- new YouTube videos are live. Jake just put out a cool video about how rare are Boone and Crockett bucks. Uh we just put out another hunt on late season Kansas. That'll be the last one of the season. Um so Got That's some fair, new cool content out
1: for you guys. If you guys got a short attention span, my video's like for you. It's like two minutes. Two off. minutes. So go check it out. Exactly. Um, so
0: go check out the video. Make sure to leave us a rating or review on the podcast, Apple, Spotify, uh, all those places. And I will say Google Podcast for the one guy who mm. uh, who called me out for that. So Google Podcast, Stitcher, whatever you guys use. Um, as always, thank you guys for listening. We really what appreciate it.
1: Wanna Jake's got one more thing. Uh, if you guys are looking, just short and quick, if you guys are looking to upgrade any of your things in your hunting gear this off season, be sure to check out Out on a Limb Manufacturing. They're a really good Oklahoma based company. Got some super good guys working behind the curtains there. And uh, if you ha- happen to see something you like, be sure you use code HNTA10 for 10% off at checkout.
0: That's right. Out on Limb, folks. Some of the best folks in the industry. Go check them out. And uh, we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Bye. Thank you guys so much for checking out the Hunter's Advantage podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you guys so much. And we'll see you in the next episode.